I also talk a lot about, from a leadership perspective, what I call the three C's of leadership. Caring, communication, and curiosity. When it comes to listening, and it comes to people that I've worked for in the past that I know that have made me better and where I felt seen and heard, it's the people that are listening. They're caring for me about who I am, not just about what the opportunity at hand is or what my business function is or what I'm doing. And they're curious about me with that caring. Welcome to Moments Move Us, a people-first podcast unlocking the power of meaningful moments by bringing you stories that inspire. I'm your host, Rebecca Corin. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Don Antonucci, the CEO of Providence Health Plan, to our show. In this episode, Don shares his focus on improving communication and coordination within the healthcare system in order to most significantly impact patient outcomes. Don will share about the importance of empathy and listening and how that impacts decisions. Today, we take a closer look at the challenges that arise when designing healthcare benefits, and we touch on why it is so very important to provide education and information to both healthcare providers and individuals so that we can all make informed decisions about our care. Lastly, we'll touch on the importance of investing in technology and operations while staying true to the essence and the values of our organizations. Join me as we discover how Don and his team strike the delicate balance between innovation and maintaining a human touch, ultimately delivering affordable, accessible, and high-quality healthcare. Let's dive in. Hi, Don. Welcome to the show, Moments Move Us. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me on, Rebecca. Absolutely. I thought we could get started today, um, beginning a little bit about your work as CEO of the Providence Health Plan. So I know that you've been leading health plans for most of your career, and now you find yourself at Providence, which obviously has a different connection to the delivery of care as well as with its expansive footprint across the country and providing care and also serving as a health plan. Can you talk a little bit about what made your choice to come into the space and work at Providence and what it's been like, how it's been similar? Absolutely. It's been a career that I've been in now for about 30 years. And I've been in healthcare for 30 years, mostly on the health plan side. And I've been at Providence Health Plan now as a CEO. It'll be coming up on two years in September. So it's coming up here soon. And it's really interesting in that while I've been on the health plan side, coming to Providence Health Plan, being part of a health plan that's connected to a delivery system. And today the health plan's basically in Oregon and every single line of business is a health plan, but we work really closely with the Providence delivery system, which is in seven states. So as we look to expand, we'll start to go into more and more marketplaces. But for me, the reason I made the move to Providence Health Plan is one, it's really important that I work for mission-driven organizations and Providence Health Plan is absolutely mission-driven. Our promise is to be able to know care for, ease the way of our members, our patients, our providers, and those that we work with. But two, the opportunity in this space, and this is where everything's going, to connect a health plan with a delivery system focused on members and patients is a huge opportunity. And when we talk about things like moving to value-based care, away from fee-for-service, all those things, I know we'll get into the perfect place to be able to come and be able to lead an organization like this. 
Did you find yourself sort of in previous roles feeling like, oh, I wish our reach was just a little bit further so I could see kind of on the other side of the curtain? Absolutely. It's something that I've always focused on, especially on the health plan side, is really creating strong partnerships with providers. But the difference is today, if there's something that we want to focus on, I can literally pick up the phone. I can literally create that meeting right away. And there's something about that proximity, being part of that same organization, sharing the same promise that you don't have to do all the work and create all the structure to create that as much as you just have to lean into it and be able to work together. So that's a huge advantage. And I also say, you know, we all know that with COVID and so many massive changes going on in healthcare, the other thing coming from a health plan perspective that's really interesting for me is while I thought I knew what providers might be going through and how things were happening, to be really close to it and understand things from the perspective of a provider. And honestly, we talk about things, for example, like mental health, which is really important. It gives you a deeper appreciation about what about our providers and our nurses and our caregivers and what about their mental health and behavioral health and how does that then impact patients and members. So things like that, it just gives you a very different seat than if you're a step removed. You know, you brought up a little bit of COVID and you know that we're in this huge workforce challenge right now in healthcare and folks have just never been more challenged to really reach deep and to say into their soul, like, is this still my calling? Should I still be here? Should I still do this work? It's harder than it was before. And I've been through so much, like what kind of keeps me here? Is this something that you think about on the plan side as well? I know it's something that on the delivery side, we're talking about all the time. How does that kind of influence decisions? It does. It goes back to what we were just talking about a little bit too, is that when we think about, for example, from a health plan side, a lot of times we're thinking about how do we create more value-based care? How do we bring in product services, point solutions that are going to help members and patients? But really an important part of that that we all know intuitively, but we have a lot of work to do is how does this work with a provider and their workflow? How does this have us know, care for, ease the way of a provider when we're implementing something that are then in service to the member or the patient? So that's a big aha for me as well, is that I think it's an advantage for us that we've got to still continue to do the work around but we've got to create environments and ease for our own providers and our own caregivers. And there's so many great things out there, like the technology that exists that can make that easier, but it only makes it easier if you actually are really intentional about what does that provider journey look like and experience look like? Is it truly making things easier or is it having them move around from one thing to the next and making things more complicated? Those are the real tough questions and the areas that we really have to make some significant improvements in. And I love the know me, care for me, ease my way and thinking about what that means, obviously from a patient perspective and how the patient's sort of at the center of that, but then thinking about the provider as the consumer of that or the target and what does that mean? And I think as industry, we've really moved more towards having mission, vision, values all around the patient and realizing that's really just a direct reflection of the team member, the caregiver, the provider, and all the people that are within it, inclusive of the patient, of course, and family. But it's a much more holistic look at the people and the relationships within our healthcare system. That's right. And I think about this a lot just from an overall business perspective. I think some of the best businesses in the world that are consumer focused and really just part of who they are, their DNA, I think a lot of what they do is they're 
pragmatic and they put themselves in the shoes of their customer. So in the case of healthcare, I think sometimes we miss those opportunities. One of the things I've tried to do from a health plan perspective, and I have more and more of an opportunity now as part of Providence, is really try to, if there's a product or a service or a benefit, is put myself into the shoes of the member. If there's a communication that we're putting out, reading it as if you're reading it for yourself or a family member. And what's interesting when you actually do that and put that hat on, sometimes you're like, that makes no sense. Or we're talking about this great new fancy thing over here. But if we can't do this basic one-on-one thing here in a way, how does that actually look and feel? And so part of what I'm trying to do as it relates to the providence and the provider side is make sure that I'm getting into the field, trying to understand the workflow, understand how the provider's are thinking and feeling about what's happening and how they're able to serve their patients. What's the data that they have access to or don't? What makes sense from a health plan perspective? Because they work with Providence Health Plan, but also with other health plans. And where's the areas of conflict and rub? And where's the areas where it's like, well, if you could do that, like this health plan does, things would be that much more smooth. And I think it's just taking those steps, big and small, to then put in place to actually make things better. I love that. It's funny because I think of how sophisticated sometimes people need to be to navigate the health system. And it's like, what type of requirements do we have for the general public to be able to figure out how to get care, what kind of care they need, who to go to, how to pay, all these things. It's just, we ask so much of our consumers. And then when you think about the consumer market, generally you're in bed, you decide to buy something on Amazon, it takes two seconds. Literally, you don't need to think, you don't need to know anything about that to get what you want or what you need in that moment. So like, how do we kind of reduce our expectations and really the obstacles, the boundaries of people getting what they need. And I think it's doing exactly what you said, like putting yourself in their shoes without all your 30 years of background and living in this system. Yeah, that's right. And it's easy for me to talk about things like our promise to know care for ease the way of our members, for example. But to actually do that takes listening, takes empathy, putting yourself truly in the member or the patient's shoes or the provider's shoes and going, all right, what can we do that makes things better or easier? And I think the excuses start to go away for the healthcare industry. I mean, we know that other industries like banking and consumer goods and all that have really gone down this path. We know that healthcare is also a very complicated industry. But when I look at the technology now that's available, I don't know if you've experienced at all or experimented at all with chat GPT. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So how do we use some of this, but in a way that's in service to that promise that I talked about and making things better and easier. But you also have to do things like pick up the phones and customer service and help people navigate very easy. You also have to be able to set appointments and have access with providers. All the things that are just basic one-on-ones. I talk a lot about in the health plan world about we really have to be brilliant at the basics first and foremost. And then you start to add on these other things to just make things better. Can you talk a little bit, Don, about a time when maybe you heard a story of someone or something and it kind of let you go into their shoes in a completely different way and how that impacted whatever decision or challenge that you were solving for? Yeah, it happens all the time. So whether it's my own family experience within healthcare or as a CEO of a health plan, at times I'll have different members or patients reaching out to me and providing an experience. And we had one with our own population because we also are administering the benefits for Providence and that's over a hundred thousand members. So we do that as well. 
we had somebody that really was going through an experience in that system where there was some benefit design limitations around them getting one of their children through some mental health, behavioral health services. Mm -hmm. And there was some challenges with approvals and calls going back and forth with the health plan. What we try to look at is there are certain things that were done. You could say, hey, that was done correctly with how the design was set. But the question that I always ask on situations like that, some of them are more complicated than others, and then some are smaller, is where can we infuse more empathy? Where could we have helped this person navigate? Because when you start to listen and learn more, they weren't only dealing with that issue, but there was a bunch of other things occurring for that person. From a health plan perspective, how could we have stepped in and just really helped ease the way for that member? So we end up working through those things at times and getting through them. But the question then becomes, do you pause and then back up and go, how could we have just started from that perspective and then just made things simple and easier? But I get those all the time, those different stories. There's people asking, for example, for exceptions to approvals for certain medications. And we all know there's evidence-based care. And then we know that there's people that just want it because maybe my doctors asked for this and it's not proven to be better. So how do you then educate not only the member, but also the provider at that point because sometimes the provider doesn't know. And that's where we have to connect the dots better in healthcare to make sure that the provider out the gates is really providing what's best for that member or patient so that they're not feeling like the health plan's holding something back. And then also, how do you educate and provide that available for the member so that when they're researching it or looking at it, that surfaces for them? All that information exists out there today, and the way to get it to people exists, but connecting those dots and coordinating is the last mile that we really have to get to. Yeah. And the coordination is so difficult because you have a lot of, especially a province, I would think you have so many providers, right? There's so many people to do this with. And I know that the plan you were sharing a little bit in the beginning that you've started in one region, but that you are expanding. Can you talk a little bit about how coordination can work at its best and at scale? Because it seems like even in a very small locality, it would be hard to coordinate really well. It really is. Healthcare is local, Rebecca. And, you know, when I think about Providence Health Plan, we're in Oregon, as I mentioned, in every single line of business. And so that means we're in Medicaid, we're in Medicare Advantage, you know, we're in the commercial employer space that large employers that self-fund their own benefits and their claims and fully insured. However, when you take, for example, Medicare Advantage, where we're in Oregon primarily, and then we've recently gone into Orange County, California, it's a totally different market and a totally different model. So how we do Medicare Advantage from a benefit design standpoint is different because of what is the market circumstances there, how there is much more of a delegated model, as we all know, in California, where you're really having, therefore, the Providence delivery system and other partners providing certain utilization management, care management practices is very different than how we work with the delivery system at Providence, say in Oregon, still tight coordination, but really different handoffs. And just paying attention to that at the local level, really listening and understanding what that community needs, and then taking advantage of the assets and the opportunities in that community as well. That's how you really begin to scale and grow. But the only way to scale 
in healthcare from a health plan perspective. And I would also say from a provider delivery system is you really have to understand the needs of that local market. Rural is different than urban. And I've worked in many different marketplaces and they're all so different. Southern California is different than Northern California, but that's also makes it very exciting. And it also, again, back to that promise to know, care for, ease the way of our member. It's also the communities. And the only way to do that is to really listen and understand those communities. You've brought up listening several times in this conversation. Is listening has always been a core part of how you lead and in your work? Is that something that's evolved? Can you talk a little bit about that? Because we teach kids a lot how to talk and how to present and answer. I don't know if we're really teaching listening and the importance of it. And then I think about that as a leader too, because again, listening is an art and it's something that you have to be conscious about in order to make time to truly listen. And I think a lot of us find ourselves wrapped up in the agendas and going from item to item and trying to knock things out. And maybe the listening goes to the wayside. Can you just talk about listening in your life, how it's evolved and how you use it today as a leader? Love that question. It's something I think I've heard about quite a bit in my career. I'm a big fan of Tom Peters, who's written many different business books. And he talks about the importance of listening. But I would also say that I also talk a lot about, from a leadership perspective, what I call the three C's of leadership, caring, communication, and curiosity. When it comes to listening, and it comes to people that I've worked for in the past that I know that have made me better and where I felt seen and heard, it's the people that are listening. They're caring for me about who I am, not just about what the opportunity at hand is or what my business function is or what I'm doing. And they're curious about me with that caring. And so listening is a great way, I think, just across the board to really understand people. Listening is not just words. You're picking up certain things from words, but it's also looking at another person, really understanding where they're coming from, what's the body language. I would say listening has been just transformative. And it's one of those things that I pay close attention to because I'm not perfect at it. I don't know that anybody is, but the better and better you can get at truly listening and paying attention to those signals. And also, I would say as a leader, putting systems and process and sort of a listening ecosystem into place, then you're going to be, I think, much more successful because people will feel cared for, they'll feel seen, and they'll know that you're really curious about who they are and how they want to grow. I love how you said a listening ecosystem. That's really neat. Can you just share a little bit more about a listening ecosystem and how you see that made up? And, and also, I'm curious if it looks the same in your past roles as it does now with Providence Health Plan. Well, I think it has changed only because I've gotten better at understanding ways to put it in place, but I've always had different pieces and aspects of it. So for example, as I've come into Providence Health Plan with our own employees who we call caregivers at the health plan as part of Providence as well. Some of the listening ecosystem things that I do are, one, I do pay attention to the survey results that we do. We do a pulse survey once a year, and then we do an annual survey. And by listening, I go through hundreds and hundreds of comments that come in those surveys, what's working, what's not working. I read every single one 
and I read them multiple times to really get a sense and understand that. But two, then I put things in place like I started a Tuesday tea with Don. So I would actually do, especially with the pandemic, we couldn't get together in person. I would do a video hour-long meeting with our caregivers, about eight to 10 of them, and would continue to do those where literally I would just say, here's a little bit about what we're doing, what's working well, and then what's not working, what could be better, and just zip it, listen, and really absorb where people are coming from. And that was with people on the front lines, that was with leadership. And you start to get different threads of information. And it's so valuable because then you get examples, you get specific stories of what people are going through. And they also feel heard. And sometimes you can actually take something and address it. And sometimes it's just that, hey, I want to feel heard because maybe it's something the organization's been talking about forever, or it just hasn't changed. And you can at least then begin to name it and call it out. And that actually is the key to really transform an organization because now they feel heard and they understand that you understand where they're coming from. I love that Tuesday tea with Don. And so is that something you're continuing to do now? I did that for the first year. We've now started to kick off the next sessions of those. And then we're starting to add now a mix of now more in-person. And by in-person, we're looking to piggyback on community events that we do. I'm big into the American Heart Association. So we'll do walks. We do mission days and things of that nature. So for me, it's that combination. That was really the video piece of it, which will continue those video meetings, but also getting some of those intentional gatherings together. That's fantastic. And I'm so glad that you brought up the American Heart Association, because I know that's something that you're really passionate about and currently are embarking on a major fundraiser for them with a bunch of other execs. Can you talk a little bit about your work with them? How did you connect? What connected you to that cause so deeply? Yeah, I had been involved with the American Heart Association in Oregon, where I've been living for about 13 years when I first came into Oregon. And one, they're just a great organization. But two, for me, the real reason I'm involved is their focus on health equity as it relates to heart health. What's really interesting to me is we all know that we've all been touched by somebody that's had heart disease, or we know a friend or someone that has been affected by heart disease. The research that goes into how they go about making sure that there's equitable access to education, to services as it relates to heart health, was really the thing for me that got me deeply involved. So I decided to, not only is Providence Health Plan involved, I'm personally involved. I'm leading their executives with Heart Challenge this year. I'll be the chair of their walk next year for the Oregon Southwest Washington Heart Walk. And it's just an incredible organization. But like I said, the thing for me was, I think in healthcare, one of the things that's important is health equity, but also the other big items out there are things like value-based care, also using technology in a way that's going to really help transform healthcare. And for me, it was really that focus on health equity. I know that you've been doing some short videos on LinkedIn of you taking a walk to prepare for the walk. So let's talk a little bit about self-care, walking, exercise. You brought up mental health a little bit. Can you share about what self-care looks like to you and how that influences you as a leader? 
even for me over the past couple of years, I've done things very different that I've started to put into my own life and routine and paying attention to. I think I was always on the go. I'd be the person that would absolutely wake up and within five minutes was checking my email and then starting to get into the workday a little bit and then get going and moving. I totally flipped the script on that over the pandemic. And I started to do just for me, what worked was I'll do a bit of meditation first thing in the morning. So I use Headspace, seven minutes or so of a meditation And then what I do is I've got a trip coming up to Italy that I'm looking forward to. So I use an app called Duolingo. I'll do five minutes or so of learning Italian, which is fun. This is all before looking at work or email. Then I'll do a little bit of reading from a book. And now I've gotten into a little bit of Audible for books. And I started that to start my day. And then it's things like I make sure I get outside. I'm exercising. I'm walking simple things for me, like I don't sit during the day. I use a standing desk and things of that. And the reason I institute all those things is because when the pandemic hit and it was go, and I found myself sitting or on video all the time and all that, I realized this is just not sustainable. And so for me, as part of my mental health, those are the things I focused on. And then the last one I would say too, is I'm a good sleeper, but really focusing on sleep, quality sleep has been a game changer as well. And so I know those are all things people know, but for me, it's just that discipline and the focus on those things has made a world of difference. Sleep keeps coming up in my conversations with executives. Like, I can't even share with you how many times folks have been on this show and talked about sleep or after we've stopped the recording later, they're just like, you know, sleep is just so important. I should have talked more about that on the show. And it's funny because I think there was a time and I don't think it was that long ago when people pride themselves. And, and obviously I'm a tech entrepreneur. So this is still going on, I feel like, especially in tech, but it's like, you pride yourself on like, I only slept three hours last night. I haven't slept in two days. I've been on doing this and doing that. And we did an all night blackout night because we had a release coming out. It is like almost like this weird feeling of like, I get a badge because I slept less than everyone else. And I feel like how many people now have been telling me like, it is actually dangerous not to get enough sleep. It's where your brain is able to cleanse itself to be able to make better decisions the next day. What is this thing with sleep and why have we all gone through this evolution? I think some of us still trying to get there of like, I'm embarrassed to say I slept eight hours last night. I think for me, as I've gotten older too, and my ability to recover and go, I don't know whether it's that's gotten worse or the fact that I realized after kind of instituting some of these things, how great I feel. And then when you're not feeling great and you miss a good night of sleep or something, you just now are more in tune with your body and go, wow, that doesn't feel good. Like I'm operating at 70% versus a hundred percent. So for me, it was really just that self-awareness and paying attention to it. Plus looking at the research and hearing the same things that you've talked about and realize, wow, I feel really good when I can get the sleep, the exercise, even breath work. I know that comes through some of the meditation, but it's interesting to note some things that I think earlier in my career, I would just go and you just work through it and hey, it's a badge of honor. But you realize sometimes go slow to go fast, or I love the term slow is smooth, smooth is fast. By just slowing down a little bit, that energy that you have, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, can be really helpful. Anyways, I think it's been an unlock for me. And again, I am not perfect at it. There's times where I blow it and miss it. And I'm like, I probably should have gone to bed or I probably should have paid more attention to that. But just by having that a little bit extra focus each week on it makes a difference. 
Love that. I feel like there are going to be a lot more folks out there after listening to this episode who are like, I really should get that eight hours. I'm going to try to be more disciplined about it because what you just set up is basically like a beautiful sleep schedule where it's like, you're trying to get the full hours, but then when you're waking up, you're so mindful about how you're waking up that you create a discipline around sleeping and it includes the waking aspect in the morning. And it wasn't easy at first because I do really enjoy what I do. I enjoy work. I enjoy connecting. So it really took some real discipline for me to say, nope, I'm going to start this way versus that way, but not easy. And step-by-step was able to turn it into more of a routine. So Don, what is in store? You've been in the role for under two years. What's in store for Providence Health Plan? What's getting you really excited right now that's to come? I think it really is partly where I started. There's a lot in the industry that you hear about providers taking on or purchasing health plans, taking on or purchasing providers. And when I take a step back, what's going on is everybody's trying to get to that true coordination of care where you can provide affordable, accessible best-in-class experience care. I think the advantage that we have is we've got a great Providence delivery system. We've got a really great health plan, and we're investing quite a bit in our operations, our technology, and our growth. But to me, the real unlock is that we're focused first and foremost on that promise. And we're a nonprofit health plan. So we target 2% margins as a health plan when others are targeting more, and that's okay. But we're in this for the long term. And I do love the book, Simon Sinek, Start With Why. And he talks about every organization knows what they do. Some know how they do it in some differentiated way. And very few know their why. We know our why. And that's our promise. But the key part of the book is start with why. And that's not always easy. So we are really always going back and starting there. So what's in store for us is we're going to continue to intentionally expand into different markets where we believe that combination of our health plan with Providence and other provider partners can make a real difference for people and serve more people. So that's going to be our focus. And then how I'm coming to it is really, you know, a lot of what I talk about is just having patience, pace ourselves with that make sure that we're doing it for the right reasons all the time and to deliver on that promise and not trying to have any type of a scattered strategic approach to it, but being really intentional about this. Because if we can get this right in more places, I think that's what everybody wants. That's what our family wants. That's what our friends want. We want healthcare that works and that's affordable and accessible and is high quality. Accessibility is so important. We talked about that a little bit earlier too. And you know the value of putting yourself in other people's shoes. I think it's so clear with what you're sharing in terms of your intention. And I also think about how the mission and the values and the promise is something that can drive anyone. And of course, in healthcare, we're all here for the same reasons, really. We're all here, to, I think, at the end of the day to help patients and to ease quality and all of these things that we do. But I guess I think about how those things get muddled along the way and how important it is for us to create environments that remove obstacles and help people stay connected to that value promise because it is so beautiful. And I know it just in my conversations with folks at Providence over the years, everyone is so driven by that. That is just their heart. And so it's a beautiful thing when you have all the dots connected, including from the plan perspective. And that is at top of mind for folks like you. So I think that at the end of the day, the people that benefit are all of us within the community that you guys serve. So it is a really special force, I feel like, to have of combination of services like that. 
Well, I appreciate that you said that too, because one things I knew before coming into Providence and Providence Health Plan, and that I've seen as I'm here is that while there's always opportunities to do better and invest in technologies and operations, like all the things that we're doing, the one thing that I talk quite a bit about inside of the health plan is that we never want to lose the character of who we are because that exists out there already. People feel the difference. People know that we care. And that's something that you really can't replace. And so we want to make sure that we're strengthening that. I talk a lot about as we're beginning to set up the health plan to scale in other marketplaces, I think about it as the analogy of a house. The health plan is a 39-year-old house inside of 165-year-old Providence. And now it's time to actually take a look at the house. And there's going to be an order to things that you do. So if there's a hole in the roof, you got to fix that before you change out the floors. Or if there's something wrong with the foundation, you're probably going to look there first. However, you never want to lose the character of that house because we do have something really special here. So when I say being intentional, as we're modernizing that house all to deliver on our promise, we want to make sure that there's a rhythm to it and that we're never losing that character of who we are because that is very valuable in the market. So well said. Don, was there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners today? Nothing other than I so enjoy these conversations, Rebecca, and these types of podcasts, this type of thought leadership in the healthcare industry is so important. And just the way you've asked the questions and the discussion that we've had, I know it's been wide ranging, but just so valuable to continue the dialogue and just hopefully make things better for everybody in healthcare. All right. That's it. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Don. I loved having you and excited to see all the amazing things that are to come with the Providence Health Plan. It was so great to be here and so much fun. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm Rebecca Corin. Thanks for listening to Moments Move Us. Remember, when you put people first, your actions can move others in unexpected ways. Be sure to follow wherever you get your audio.